This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom, welcome to Practical Spirituality here in the old city of Jerusalem overlooking the Temple Mount. Just one announcement is there's going to be a possibly seminar in Jerusalem, probably the last one of the winter, even though it's the beginning of the winter. Um, that's going to be going on this coming week, uh, December something. And, uh, and then uh, the other thing is the executives, anyone who's hearing this who's a graduate of the seminar, we're... It looks like we're going next month to Sedona, Arizona for an executive trip. That'll be men only, and uh, obviously people are interested in extreme adventure. Now, um, today we're going to be discussing the, you know, a continued discussion on Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is, is you know, this week's Parsha, and that's the ladder to spirituality. Okay, that's how you get to spirituality. It's a little hot in here. So we see the ladder is standing on the, it's it's going towards the ground that was yesterday's class and and it's the head of the ladder is going to heaven it goes to the, the the sky. So let's discuss ladders. It's an interesting analogy a ladder. That the the path of spirituality is a ladder. So what does that mean exactly? Well, I heard one cool thing from Rabbi Wallerstein today is that a ladder is the only thing you go down while looking up. It's a pretty cool thought. Now, I know that probably doesn't mean anything to you, but he's saying that when your life's difficult, look up. Like, if you feel yourself going down, look up to heaven, meaning look up to God. Like, God's teaching you something. This is part of a plan. This is not random. This is not, you're not hated. Okay, you're still loved. You just need to go through something right now. Okay, so that's, a, that's one nice thing about an, a ladder. Another nice thing about a ladder is that it's got, uh, it's got spiritual rungs, because the steps in a ladder are called rungs. It's got spiritual rungs that are necessary, meaning lower rungs, rungs you're not even on anymore. You're higher than those rungs, let's hope, on your climb. Yeah, you've gone beyond the lower rungs. But they're necessary. Why are they necessary? Because ladders, what would happen if every time you stepped up a rung of a ladder, the rung under your feet would disappear, meaning it would fall out. What would happen to the ladder if, as you climb this big ladder, every rung your foot lets go of to get to the next rung, it drops out? What would happen to the ladder? Become unstable. Very unstable. What would happen ultimately? Split. Yeah, the ladder will split. And so, that's another really amazing part of this analogy of a ladder is that, is that you need the lower rungs. You need those. Those are not because you never know what's going to happen to you in your life. And there may be times in your life where those lower rungs, you're going to have to be able to fall back on them. So, and you, another thing about them is you can't really skip them. People who skip rungs usually have to backtrack. You know, there's a path. Everyone knows in spirituality, you know, you're on some level of a path of, you know, respect of the path. And, and it's a whole... It's, you know, you don't just jump on. It's not, it's not an iPhone, spirituality. You know, it's, it's step by step. But you've got use, you got to go on each step properly. You can't skip them. Or else it's also not stable. And you're going to wind up go, having a painful experience of going back and dealing with that stuff. So there's no skipping. Now, on each rung of the ladder, you've got to deal with parts of yourself. Because think about the ladder. You're climbing to God. But as you're climbing to God, you're climbing away from, from ego. 
You know, I'm a climb to God's, a climb away from ego, which means every rung is going to come with ego. Each rung of the ladder is going to have its own ego that you'll have to deal with. And this is why you can't skip rungs, because if you skip a rung, that means there's, a, there's ego following you up the ladder that didn't get dealt with on lower rungs, and now you're on rungs that don't necessarily talk to that part of the ego. And this is why you can meet someone who's like a more spiritual type person, but still involved in very egoistic behavior. And uh, maybe you'll find someone selfish, like spiritual and selfish, like those don't go together, spiritual and selfish. But, but there, there's lower rungs that you're going to have to deal with your selfless, you know, like you're going to have to become selfless to deal with that rung in the ladder. So let's talk about different rungs on the ladder. I think I have pins over here. Let's make a ladder and climb the ladder together. So let's see. Let's check out. We'll start. We'll, let's do a lower rung, a middle rung, and then a couple high rungs. Okay. Hey. So I'd like to start with the bottom rung of the ladder. I don't know how to make a ladder. <laughs> how am I doing? that look ladderish? Okay, the bottom's going towards the earth, not on the earth, because the earth goes lower every generation, it's further from Sinai. So the, you always have to have installed, you always have to install new rungs as the generations go away. Meaning as the generations go further and further down, like if this is the earth here, it's getting lower and lower. So the ladder has to be pointing towards the earth, not on the earth. That's why the Torah says that the Sulam was Mutsav Artsa. What's Artsa mean? When you add a hey at the end of a word, Aretz means land. It should have said the Sulam was Mutsav Al Haaretz on the earth. But what does it mean, Artsa? Towards the earth. Which is a strange thing for a ladder to be going towards. It's either on the earth or it's floating. But the answer is, is that it's going towards the earth so that new rungs can be put in over time so people can step up the ladder. Up at the top of the ladder, this is the heavens, okay? Up there is the heavens. That's the goal. The goal is transcendence, okay? We're all here stuck in these bodies. And there's, there's for sure going to be some levels of suffering in this world. I mean, you're going to have to make it somehow and have a roof over your head and deal with all those, you know, responsibilities that come. And you're going you're gonna to have to slay a lot of dragons in your life. And it's going to be difficult. And you have a side of a dark side that wants to quit and just drift away and die. And you've got a, you've also got a, um, you've got a, a dark side that that's that's bad, like just wants to do bad. Like you, you got a lot of battles in this world, and and our job is ultimately to transcend, and that's Jacob's ladder. The the base of the ladder is right outside this window. It's the Holy of Holies. So you're actually hearing this class right across from the stories going on. Because this Holy of Holies right outside this window here is the wormhole, meaning the space and time uh, uh, interface to those upper realms. And so it's pretty cool to hear this class, right? and have this week's Parsha right across 
from where the ladder stood. And the, um, and of course, Jacob, uh, you know, the famous line is that Jacob put rocks around his head, but in the morning it turned to the word rock. And, they, and the, the, there's a medrash that says that all the rocks were fighting over who gets to be, you know, the pillow. And they all wanted it bad enough that God united them all and they became one rock by the morning so that they could all be under, under Jacob's head throughout the night. But that's not that important for us. Can you mind, uh, sorry about the ambient noise, but if you could open that window just to get, put some air in this room. We always have a problem in the winter because the, the heat out there becomes the heat in here. And uh, there's no way to put AC on. Well, that's loud. Just do, it for, just do it for like one minute. All right, so, so let's start with this first rung. This first rung here, which my blue pen's become an eraser. This first rung, my red pen's no good. This first rung is called Servant. The first rung in the ladder is called servant. And what's cool about that rung in the ladder, and, and there's probably some of you who have reached that rung, and some of you have not, which is pretty scary, because can you imagine like, not even being on Jacob's ladder? Like, what a disappointing Shabbat this is going to be. You know, like going into the Shabbat about Jacob's ladder, and you're not even on it. So, so but maybe take this class. Everyone listen to this class. Give it one more minute. Everyone listen to this class in such a way that from this class going forward, you're on the ladder. Okay, so what is the nature of a servant? Can someone, get, someone want to try? What's the nature of a servant? Meaning even for a human master of flesh and blood, yeah? Okay, takes orders. Very good. What else? Okay, takes them, fulfills them. Subordinate. Obedient. Any others? So there's one more I want to share is that is that a servant serves whether he likes it or not. <laughs> you know, like I mean if you like caught a cold and your master now wants you to take water and like bring buckets of water to his roof so he can take a shower. And he says, he says, you know, I'd like you to bring up about 100 buckets and heat them up so I can shower. So, which means he's going to be showering in like five hours because 100 buckets of water probably take about five hours to get it up to the fourth floor. So what if you have a fever? So you spend five hours with a fever putting the buckets of water up top. I mean, if you're going to die, so then the, he, the master wouldn't even let you do it because he doesn't want to lose his servant. Meaning if it's just totally irresponsible, then okay, that's one thing. Let's say you're perfectly healthy and you happen to be passing the master in the stairwell after you've already done 50 buckets of water. And he's on his way down. And you're on your way up, two buckets in either hand. And you say to the master, you know, master, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I'm just not feeling it. What would the master say? 
What would the master say if you said, I don't feel it? What? Keep going. Keep going. What else? Laugh. Laugh. That's nice. But how many of us have had lackluster Judaism, meaning our Judaism's not been very inspired? And when someone, if someone asked us, gee, that didn't look very inspired, you'd say, well, you know, I'm not really feeling it. You understand? That's, then you didn't get on the ladder. You're not on the ladder yet. Now, in deference in, or in defense of people who aren't even on the ladder, it could be that they're, they're missing certain, certain things like, for example, like how do we know there's a God to begin with? And how do we know the Torah is the path of truth as opposed to just some random narrative because there's a million narratives out there. And Judaism looks like just one narrative. You understand? Like, there may be a reason why people aren't on the ladder. And if, you're, if there's reasons why you're not on the ladder, so gen, then deal with those reasons. And once you've dealt with those reasons, get on the ladder. So, like, let's take a poll of everyone in this room. Uh, anyone here still working out whether this is a ladder you even want to be on? No, everyone here has just already worked out all the hashkafas and everything. Like, they, they figured, they, like, I could sit next to you on an L-all plane and you would explain to me exactly that there's a God and that Torah is true. Everyone here is like that? No? Okay, so raise your hand if, if you still haven't dealt with everything. You're not, like, totally clear. Thank you. That's almost everyone in here. Okay? And then raise your hand if you're, you know, you're basically clear. You know what the goal is. You know what, you know what the game is. Okay, you're basically clear. You know the point. You know where you're going. Okay, great. So it was, turned out to be, like, half the room and half the room. Now, of course, those second half on the room, the second half of the room, Raise your hand again, the, the group that said that they more or less got the goal down. Like, they understand where, what we're doing here. So that second half of the room, please raise your hand if you're, raise your hand if you're, if you're not, at, if you're, I don't know what I want to say. <laughs> If you're still not on the first rung, solid. Okay, so I was about a little more than half. About seven people raised their hand and about four said they're not on it, solid. Okay, so now we have to go deeper into our psychology. How could you know the name of the game and still not be on the first rung of Jacob's Ladder? You understand? So... Obviously, there's something else going on here, you know. Why would someone know the name of the game and still not be on the first rung? That they're still doing it if it feels, if they feel it, and they don't do it when they don't feel it. Ego. What? Ego. Could be ego. What else? What? Resentment, like towards God? Yeah, like why would we have to do something? What do you mean, why would we have to do something? Just sometimes things seem harder than 
<laughs> like what, Shabbat? <laughs> Anyone notice that some things in Judaism are extra hard to do? What's an example of something extra hard? Lots of things? What? That's hard. Loving God always. That's not a mitzvah. <laughs> no, I was asking about like servant. Like the servant now has to go do things, and so one of the answers why someone might know the name of the game but still not do it, they know the name of the game, they still may not do it, is because it's hard. No, but I'd like to offer some advice that makes things easier. If you're in, first of all, if you understand that Hashem is this infinite being who's beyond all of your, you know, like, if you were the biggest genius in the world, you'd get just about as much as you got at this point. I mean, it's un, you can't get it. Yet we're all a figment of its imagination. It's creating us here, gifting you life, and put it, it's put you in a personal growth seminar to help you develop, mostly through difficulties, which is what happens when you go to personal growth seminars. They, they kind of stress you out to get you to grow. They just put you in difficult places so that you will grow, you know. Pimples don't pop till you press them, you know. And so, popcorn doesn't pop till you heat it up. It'll make it a little uncomfortable. And it pops. Eventually. So, you've been given a gift of life by a being that seems a little, a little over-concerned with you. Like, you would think that God just has better things to do than you. And yet, there he, there he is orchestrating everything for you. He, he even orchestrates your most difficult stuff. The stuff you suffer with. So, it's just a little strange that God's so interested in you. All the time. It's also a little strange that everyone else has free will. Because if you look at your life, the way it's orchestrated, it seems like no one should have free will because everyone's being perfectly orchestrated around you. So, like, they have free will? How could they have free will? They're being orchestrated around me. And then you think for a second, wait a second, but I have free will. And I'm getting organized, orchestrated around everyone else. And so, you start to realize that God's this being that you'll never, ever, ever understand. But He's super crazy about you. And once you realize that you've got a being that's beyond belief, great, but has this laser beam focus on you with a total 100% at all times interest, 
You know what would happen if God took his focus off you for one second? You know what would happen? If God took his focus off you and once for one second, what, what would happen? Well, you wouldn't be here. You're only here because he's focusing on you. No, you'd actually dematerialize. That's the way you'd do it. But if God were actually going to switch off, you'd, you'd be, you'd, it's not that you'd die. You'd be gone. Like that. Gone. All that'd be left is a pair of blue jeans, uh, undershirt. You're wearing an undershirt, by the way. A pair of blue jeans. I, I, I'm known to make fun of people's clothing. So all that would be left would be a pair of blue jeans, an undershirt, and a, a white kippah. And we'd just be like, huh? What's your name? What's your name? And it would be like, what happened to Ellie? And then I'd be like, oh, God stopped thinking about him. <laughs> and then we'd all say a little prayer. Oh, please bring Ellie back. We like Ellie. And then what happens? Like, boom. And all of a sudden his shirt and his pants just like get filled up again. And like, boom, he's back. So loving God, even asking the question of loving God, is like, it's like the biggest joke in the world. You understand? Meaning it's natural we would be loving God if we just understood what I just said. It's natural that we'd be loving God at all times. You know, that... That we wouldn't, if we understood that we're being created, and God's, God's basically stalking you. <laughs> He's basically stalking you, at all times. You know, it's a little creepy, the way He's just a little overly interested in you, and, and so. Anyway, but when you when you get that, it's much easier to love God. And regarding the things that God asks of us asks of us that are difficult, well, there's an easy way out of that too. Tell me, did your parents ever do anything difficult to take care of you? Your parents ever do anything difficult? Like how about pregnancy and birth? Diapers and feedings and and carpools and and you know just endless endless hours of investment in you. Now, if you ask a parent, do you like being a parent? I really doubt any of them would say it's too difficult. Meaning, no, it's too difficult. I don't like it. I'm out. I mean, there are parents who do that. There are parents who abandon their children. But it's usually not moms. And it's usually not even dads. Meaning they usually don't abandon their kids. And so why are they doing such difficult things over and over again over large periods of time? Like really, really difficult things. Why do the parents want to do all these difficult things? Answer. I love you. Love, 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 love.
when you really love someone, you'll do really difficult things. And it's your pleasure. It's not difficult. They, it may be a daunting task. I mean, I know I've met a lot of secular Jews who watch the way I do something, and they'll say, wow, you know, like, put a lot into that. And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, aren't you exhausted? And I'm like, no, I'm hyper-focused on the being that loves me, creates me, and, and this being is loving me at all times, has given me an opportunity to serve him. And if he gave me an easy way to serve him, so, okay, that's nice, but if he gives me a difficult way to serve him, what a beautiful way of showing it. It's like, let's say you're fly- buying flowers for your wife for Shabbos, and the local flower store is closed. Now is where you get to start flexing your, your love, you know, flexing it. Like, okay, go further until you find a store that's open. And now you buy the bouquet you would have bought her, and it turned out the next door was closed too, but you finally find a store that's open that's a little ways away. And you hand her the flowers. What's the feeling in your heart? Here's the flowers that I hassled across town for. Or here's, here's like a, a greater expression of love than the flowers from down the block. And the answer is the second one. Here's a greater expression of love with the flowers that I had to go through a lot to get. But when you stay focused on the love, so then it's not difficult. Now there are people whose hearts have been hurt and they don't feel love from anything or anyone. And, and so that, you know, obviously requires maybe some therapy or something to, but like actual therapy that works to uh, heal the heart so that they can love again. That might be necessary as well. I said I'd tell you about other levels of the ladder, but I'll just do them quickly. Uh, the top level of the ladder is to... Um, is to become one with God. The next level is prophecy. Next level you could call divine inspiration. Uh, around the middle of the ladder is, is an area called enlightenment. Enlightenment's where you've already, you've finally gotten rid of the ego altogether. And what, the only thing I want to show you guys before we finish is that, is that people go to India to get to here. <laughs> this is the top. People go to India, this is the top of the ladder. That's the word Buddha. Buddha means enlightenment. So Buddhism is the, the religion of enlightenment. And the idea is to get to the point where there's no self, where the ego's gone. That's the goal. It's the goal in Judaism as well. But it's not the top of the ladder. There's, there's a lot of levels above enlightenment that are, that are available to a Jewish person. And of the highest would be prophecy. That would be a super high level on Jacob's ladder. Um, please... Uh, please feel free to um, 
feel free to help this rabbi feed a family for Shabbat. He feeds a family every Shabbat. Whatever we give is what they eat. So you'll feel good on Shabbat this week, knowing that you helped out a family eat. Rabbi, thank you so much for doing that for us. If you didn't do it, we'd have to go shopping. But thanks for bringing home the goods to that family. It's very sweet. If it folds, it buys like chicken and fish. If it jingles, it buys Pringles. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.